Can we turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians 8? We're going to read a little bit. Over these past two, last week and this week, I've been talking on, going to be talking today, I spoke last week on generosity. And just, okay, can we go back to the previous slide, please, Johnny? Uh, what, does an abund, what does abundant generosity look like and how will it change our city? I think at first and foremost, we have to understand that we are part of a different economy. As, as you get saved, you step into the kingdom of God. It's invisible. We don't see it, but we, we follow a king. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. You are part of a different kingdom. So what you do with your time, your treasure, your talents, whatever God has gifted you with, if it's not towards the kingdom now that you're a believer, it's actually wasting, wasting time. Everything else is a waste of time if it's not for the king and his kingdom. And I think we need to understand that. And if we get that right first, we're gonna, everything is going to start filtering out from that place of, actually, I'm an ambassador on this planet. I'm first and foremost a heaven person. I, it, it, the Bible says that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Think about that now. Um, I'm going to sit down. You won't all see me. But I'm, I'm, I'm seated with Christ right now in heavenly places. Ephesians speaks about. Does, that doesn't even make sense. I'm actually sitting on earth. I felt pain this morning. Someone disappointed me. I'm hungry. But yet, spiritually, we're that. And I think we have to understand that we are first and foremost that. And when we start to have that filter our thinking, we start to do everything else differently. Life becomes an adventure. And I think the adventure that we are on is to see the city changed. The mission is, is you and me. God has, has gathered a group of people together by His grace, perfect and imperfect. Some are more perfect than others. That's a joke, by the way. No one is perfect. And, uh, and He's gathered us together in a community, and we all just, we, we're longing after Jesus. And, uh, and for me, this community is called to change the city. So for me, it's not just about one or two of the leaders standing up, okay, we're going to do this. It's, it's about the priesthood, which is you, in the Old Testament, you had a select group of people that were the priests. In the New Testament, we're the priesthood of all believers. So if you believe in Jesus, you are now priests to minister. You don't need a title. We prayed on deacons today. That for me is just, deacon means servant. It means minister. It's an honor thing. It's great. But it also means you don't need that to have permission to go and, and heal the sick, raise the dead, and, and set people free. You don't need permission. That is our calling. We are, we are ashes of God's kingdom. We, we, pray, we, we are not only pray for God's kingdom, but we act out God's kingdom. So on earth as it is in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no lack in heaven. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. I, I feel like some pe- people get up and they say, turn to Jesus, you're going to be rich. It's not, it's not like that. Sometimes it's the opposite. Because Jesus has to, he has to tune you, he has to, he, has to, he has to train you in certain ways. But I do believe that when we step into the kingdom and we step into his way of doing things, we see God's hand upon our lives. There's blessing in obedience. Sometimes we obey and we don't understand. We, I, I've done stuff that I know the Bible has said that I haven't understood. But you obey. And I think we live in a questioning society to question everything we've been seeing. But actually, if we just... It's why, it's why we preach the Bible every week. I don't preach my ideas. Uh, I hope not. I'm, throw, I'm sure I'm imperfect, so there's going to be a few little of my ideas that are going to be thrown in there. But I'm, I'm, I'm praying that as the Word gets, gets preached and taught, this perfect, un, un, um, uh, uh, untainted Word, that it changes all of our hearts. So let's just read this together. 2 Corinthians 8. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know about the grace 
that God has given the Macedonian churches. I taught last week that it actually explains. In the midst of severe trial, the overflowing joy and the extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their own ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the Lord's service to the Lord's people. God, when the gospel touches our heart, our hands, our talents, everything else opens from that place. And I really want, I, I, I long to see a time, and we've seen it in pockets, and we've seen like generosity in some people. I, I long for every single person that's sitting here to, to be overflowing in generosity, to be overflowing just with, you know what, God has given me so much. We live in the top 5% in the world, in terms of wealth. We, we, we are, most people in Dubai, I'm not saying all, because there's some that obviously do, there's a financial struggle and stuff, but we, we generally live in the top 5% of those. If you've got a car and a house, you are rich. You are incredibly, incredibly rich. And there's so much that we can give out. It says in verse 7, which I want to read, that it says, you excelled in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and all earnest, and, and ever I love for you, and then Paul writes, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. It's part of being a believer. Luke 11, uh, 16, 11 says, he is faithful in a very little, uh, sorry, he is faithful in very little thing, is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. If you're a bad seed, you're a bad seed, whether you've got lots or little. Therefore, if you have been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, uh, who will entrust you to true rich? Who will entrust true riches to you? So what the what they're saying there is that that our finances, the the, the money that God gives us, whether it's through salary or whatever it is, is 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 given to you, and and God entrusts you to to use it for His kingdom. I think we have to understand a few things about money that it's not it's not actually yours. I spoke about this last week. You may think oh, I've worked so hard, I worked 12, 15 hour days. Yes, but who gave you the ability? to read, to write, to have hands, to have a brain that thinks it's all God's. And God gives us this, uh, He gives us basically 90% of our salary. I'm going to talk specifically around tithing. And that is just the standard that we give to God. And, and God has called us as a community to, to be generous so the gospel can move forward. So there's a few things in 2 Corinthians 9. I'm not going to read through it just for time because there's quite a lot I want to get through. But Paul writes, and speaks about how this, that your generosity, if you've been given seed, you must sow it. That uh, you've been given bread to eat and seed to sow. That when you put the seed in the ground, there's a multiplication that happens. I spoke about the tomato. Once, one tomato seed, seed equals one vine with 30 tomatoes on it. You've got, you've got almost this infinite multiplication that happens when you sow your seed. And I think the moment we understand that, we step into God's economy. And I think... What starts to happen is a few things. And this is all out of 2 Corinthians 9. You can go read it for yourself, but I'm going to just go through a few. Number one, salvation. You're, when you're giving money to a local church, when you're giving money to a kingdom initiative, you're, you're partnering with the gospel that is moving across the planet. You're part of something way bigger than yourself. You're sowing. We, we, in a sense, we, we're paying our money forward for the one day when we get to heaven, although we do live in the blessing of it now. So first thing is salvation. Second thing is peace. This peace that comes upon... I think I've got it. Wow. Actually, I did this last week. Didn't preach it. So you've got salvation. You've got peace. 
knowing that when you start to be living God's economy and live understa- understanding how He works, is that you can have a peace in your heart that He's going to look after you. Gary and I have often spoken. Gary loves Gary Flint. He loves the tithing talk. He says I must talk all the time about it. Which, by the way, I, had this in, uh, I mentioned this last Friday night. Jesus spoke 25% of His time on finances. 11 out of the 19 parables has to do with money. One out of seven verses in Luke talks about money. So if you, if you let's just work that out, that would basically mean, if I took the Jesus model, I'd be preaching about finances from January to the end of March. That is nine weeks. Because if, if Jesus knew that stewardship and money is so close to people's hearts that if he touches that, he's touching the closest thing to them. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. It, which means that where you're putting your money is showing who you love, how you love, and what you give. It's a simple thing. And I'm, I'm really am preaching this so you guys can be free. I said that last week. God wants freedom to come upon his people and, uh, and an abundance to come, which we'll see soon. Third thing that happens is multiplication, which I've spoken about already. Fourth thing, we're enriched in every way. That is not in some ways. Thank you, Bruce. We're enriched in every way. The Bible does not lie. It doesn't speak that we are partially enriched. It means in every single way. So financially, spiritually, in your family, there's something that happens when we start to understand that, that what the, the, the finances that God puts in our hand, once we start to just be free and with it and generous with it, there's an enrichment that comes from heaven. I, I don't know how it works. I'm not... For me, it's, it's, it's God just says, just be obedient in this thing and you'll see what will happen over your life. We, it, and the enriched is not so we can have another car, so we can have another house, so we can do all these things. God, like I said last week, He wants us to, to live in, in an abundance and in, and in understanding His generosity as a father. But I think you're enriched for point six. What are we on? Point five. To be generous on every occasion. We're enriched in every way to be generous on every occasion. And uh, I, for me, it's, it, is, it is funny sometimes going out with people and then the bill comes and uh, it's like one of those slow pullouts of the wallet. It's like, please, please don't, please don't ask me to help contribute towards this meal kind of thing. I've probably done it before. It's only when people have taken me to really expensive restaurants that I know that if I had to try pay, I'd literally have no money left. Um, so then I'm like, when that happens, I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for them, and thank you for the, that they blessed me. Um, but let that not be the rule, okay? Be generous on every... Do you know who's... Jeremy. I've known at times that he has had maybe negative zero. Negative. He's in the negative in his bank account, but yet he's the first, he's the first one to pull out and pay. And I think what, what he's doing there is he's building into something that he cannot see that God is going to pour out abundance on you guys. I know we've spoken about it before, but there is going to be a supernatural abundance that will come because you've just been faithful with the little, faithful with uh, what God has for you. The needs of others are met is another bonus of giving. And what that wells up is, is it says there's overflow in many thanksgiving to God. That when we are generous with our money, you know when, when I, I don't know if any of you have ever got an envelope in the, in the offering. I'm thankful. There's been times, honestly, started out where things have been a little bit tight, and then there'll be a little envelope. And you know, like I, I know some people's handwriting, so I kind of know who it's from. So it's kind of not really anonymous, but it says Dan and Star, and it's one or two grand. And, 
for me, stuff like that is so powerful. I think if we had to start to say, okay, cool, God, you've given me, you've given me X amount. I'm going I'm to give tithe. That's understanding that is, that is to God. That's, that's, a, that's a principle that we're going to read about now that causes an overflow of God's hand upon your life. But then you've given me this 90% for me to bless people. Ask, ask God. It could be 50 dirhams. If that's all you can afford in the month, 50 dirhams, you say, God, who, who can I bless with this? It may go to the perfect person who needed that in the exact moment. That, for me, is generous on every occasion. I think if we start building that, um, people that you see in need, I've just been more and more aware of just the need that is in Dubai. It's like I can't shut it off. Um, and we really are, and again, I've asked people to come and speak to me if they've got contacts into labor camps. We do stuff with the shelter, with, with runaway maids, and uh, people who've, who've gone through really tough times. But if I really want to, I, I want this church to be so overflowing in, in the abundance of God that we can just, just help people. That is, that is a call of this local church. Let me just see if we must do this. I think we need... A, can we turn to 1 Kings 17? I want to just quickly take a little side route, and then I want to end off with a few points. 1 Kings 17. I'm reading out of the ESV. It's amazing... Uh, this, just, this is an incredible, incredible story. So basically, uh, there was a drought throughout the land. There was a tough time. Ravens bought uh, Elijah food, etc. Then God says to him in verse 8, Then the word of the Lord came to me, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he rose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was gathering sticks. And he called her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, she called, uh, he called her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread that is in your hand. And she said, As the Lord God lives, I have, no, uh, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. Who's had that at times in their life? A handful of flour and a little bit of oil. You know, <laughs> there's like negative oil sometimes. Okay? And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks and I'm going to go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Very positive. Okay, so this basic, you know, when, when, uh, when drought is so bad, when you've literally got maybe a handful of flour, a bit of oil, a bit of water, you make a bit of a dough, that may sustain it for a day or two, but she's like, this is our last meal, our last supper. Um, and Elijah said to her, do not fear. I think that is a word for some people here. Do not fear. If you have a morsel, bring that to the Father. Do not fear. Go and do as, as, you have, uh, as, as I have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not empty until the day of the Lord sends rain on the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. How often... Do we need to hear God's word over and over and over and over until we actually start to do the thing? Some of you have been in finance talks for years and you've been hearing about it and you're still struggling with your finances and you're still not making it at the end of the month where God is just saying, just go do what I said. Just go start with something. Start with what is in your hand. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word the Lord 
God spoke to Elijah. It counts more when we bring in God our last morsel. Five loaves, two fishes, amongst five, 15,000 people, a little boy brings a little bit of loaves, a few fish. Jesus goes, cool, that's enough. That's all I need. I need your little bit of faith, and I've just put my hands on it. Multiplication. God sees. For, for God delights when we say, God, I'm just going I'm I'm to trust you. God, I've got, I've got 20 dirhams left. I'm going to sow this, and I'm going to trust you for abundance. We as a church have, have had, we know that there's big expenses coming out. I'm not saying we, are, we understand, I understand all of this perfectly, but I'm saying there's a few times where we've had to step out in faith. Where we know some big expenses are coming. We've got a big rent check. We've tried to save for it. Uh, there's been things and we've got money for that, but then the staff might have to be paid late. And there's a whole bunch of things. And, uh, and uh, on this one time in particular, we, we decided as a church to sow into a traveling minister. You guys all gave towards it. As a church, we gave towards something that we probably couldn't have afforded. A few weeks later, there was just this, this, this massive amount that came into our account. When I talk massive, it just co- it covered a rent check. Anything over 10000 for me is massive. Okay, it's just the world I live in. But there's, there's this money that came into our account. I'm like, wow, God, you're so faithful. And then two days later, the check came off. And I think we have to live in this different economy. And I th- I'd say be wise with your money, save, put in property, or do all of that thing. But, but understand, if you, if you have this principle of putting first, God is going to look after you. I'm just, just putting it out there. Okay. Well, God's Word is putting it out there. I want to just tell a story. There was this pastor in America, um, kind of a faith preacher in the 50s, just saw lots of people healed and set free and delivered. And uh, he, he was pastoring a church somewhere in the south, you know, in the, during the Depression. And he had a, uh, this lady in the church whose husband had died. She had three kids. One of the kids was severely retarded. The, 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 the story recounts that this kid did great, grade one seven times. You'd think the teachers would have caught on. But in those days, there wasn't like any kind of understanding of that. But it just, she just repeated, repeated. And said she used to walk around, she used to crawl around the church at 14 years old on her stomach. For me, you can clearly see there's demonic stuff. But what, uh, what started to happen, this, 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 this lady, the mother of this, this daughter, they used to pick cotton, cotton, typical kind of cotton picking story. They used to pick cotton, earn like 40 cents or whatever for like a huge barrel of cotton. They would take that and would go to the local church and tithe that little bit. Now that, in the bigger scheme of things, was probably nothing. But in God's eyes, it was huge because she understood what honoring God first meant. And this mother used to do that. And I think by the time, so for year after year, she used to just faithfully tithe, faithfully give, faithfully give, faithfully give to the kingdom of God. And then uh, there was this moment, I think, the, girl, the little girl who was, who was quite, um, uh, yeah, retarded, that she ended up, um, I don't know what happened, but I'm trying to just, sorry, trying to recall the story. Basically, she, the, the, she crawled to the front. There was an altar call about healing. This little girl, 18 years old, but acting like a three, four-year-old, crawled to the front. She got prayed for. She got delivered in a moment. And the story recounts that she had 90% of her intelligence given back to her in a moment. He said it went from one week where she couldn't even talk properly. She'd be mumbling. To, to being an intelligent 18-year-old. And, what just, and the story, I thought, oh, wow, that's an amazing story, you know. And uh, the guy just carries on telling the story. He says, so he, he left the church 10, 15 years later, came back, and uh, this girl was now in the church. She was uh, kind of in her 30s, 
Uh, she had two kids. Her, her husband went to the war. She, found, she eventually got married. Obviously, she had kids. Her husband went to the war. Had, he, he died. They got a whole massive insurance payout, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, in those days, that's a ton of money. She ended up owning half the town. And I think, for me, it just shows about God's faithfulness that her mother was sowing seed that even in the times when she was, was tough, that first of all, they saw this radical healing that took place, but they radically gave, and they gave, and they understood that God, there's something of heaven that opens over our lives when we do that in the time of famine. God is good. And I, for me, I think the biggest thing we have to shift in our minds is that God is a good, good Father. He loves us. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do as I command. Now, that is not an ultimatum. It's just like, if you understand who I am, there's, there's some commandments that I've asked you to do that for me are delights. I, I, love, I love being challenged. I love when people challenge me. And sometimes you like, I can feel people like squirming in their seats if there's like a challenge that comes from the Lord. I love it. Because ultimately what's happening is that I'm getting cut away and Jesus is being replaced there. More of Jesus is being shown in my life. Um... And I think we have to understand, firstly, that God is a good, good Father. He loves us. The Bible says this in Luke 11. Now suppose one of your fathers asks his son for a fish. He will not give him a steak instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asks for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion. And the other night, Starless parents were here for a couple of hours. Uh, they were passing on their way through to France. And we just went and had dinner with them. And then we came back to the hotel room afterwards saying goodbye. And then they gave us gifts. And, I mean, they gave some really nice gifts. And, like, started, they're like, what's this for? And they're like, no, it's just because. And I think there's something that you guys need to realize, and myself, talking to myself, probably louder than anyone, that that is how, the, that is how Heavenly Father is. If Stala's earthly father, who is imperfect, is able to give us just a gift because he wants to, that is our Father in Heaven. God wants to break a poverty spirit over our lives, which for me is that there's that posture that will there be enough? God also wants to break a spirit of materialism is that I can't get enough. We have to live in the place of God supplies all our needs, it says in Philippians, through Christ Jesus, and from the riches of His glory through Christ Jesus, and be comfortable in that place. And know that Paul even writes, he says, I've had lots and I've had little, but I've, I've learned to be content in all. That is the gospel. Okay, so I'm going to quickly talk. How much time do I have left? Apparently, I'm going to slow down. Sorry. Apologize. I'll talk much slower. I want to just briefly go over tithing. I think we, we mentioned on a Friday, can someone pass around the baskets? Let's take up the tithes and offerings. For a lot of people, they know what it is if you've got a church background. For a lot of people, don't. And I think it's understanding that that what, what tithing does. I want to start with this scripture. It says, I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. God wants us to not worry about the future. The Bible says that. Sometimes do, do we actually believe what Jesus says? Because he doesn't want you to worry about it. He says, don't worry about tomorrow because today has enough things to look, that has to, care for itself. He it says, God looks after the birds of the air, and, and He looks after everything. He's going to look after His sons and His daughters. So just some basic understanding. I want to read Malachi quickly. This is where the, the main verse on tithing, but you can see it throughout Scripture, which I'm going to go through. 
For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you children of Jacob are not consumed. We'll go to verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, or tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, a whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, said the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows, some versions it says the floodgates of heaven, and pour, and for you, and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. There's this abundant blessing that God wants to pour out on his people. So just to understand it, um, First of all, where do I tithe? We tithe? If you look at the Old Testament picture, which is brought into the New Testament, that even early church fathers, Tertullian, all these early, they, they lived in abundance because they understood this principle of tithing. And I think, for me, it's a universal principle. I've seen people who aren't even believers that have understood this tithing principle, and there's been an abundance on their life. People who give away, you're going to get. It's just the way it works. There's a, there's a kingdom principle. The more you give, the more you're going to get. The more you sow, there's a multiplication that gets given back to you. The more you hold on. Sir John Templeton says this, I've, absor- I've observed over 100,000 families over my many years of investment counseling. I always saw greater prosperity and happiness, both among those families who tithed than those who didn't. It's a simple understanding that if we just get, if, we, if you're able to tithe off 1,000 dirhams, you can tithe off 10,000. You can tithe off 100. It's just it's getting that thing into our minds and hearts. 1 Samuel 2.30 says, Those who honor me, I will honor. I want to be honored by God. I don't tithe out of fear, or I don't, if I, if I didn't tithe, I don't, I don't like fear the wrath of God, because that's dealt with in Jesus. But what, the, the understanding of tithing is really just, it's a whole scripture picture, which I'm going to go through right now. So first of all, you're taking notes. It's a good thing. Why don't Christians tithe? Okay. Hosea 4 says this. Okay. Well, the first point is, number one, they haven't been taught. Hosea 4 says, my people are destroyed through lack of knowledge. Once you've been taught something, either from the pulpit, first of all, you need to know the word of God for yourself. Because I could be talking rubbish. I'm not, because I'm accountable to people who would keep me in check. But say you go to a random church and they start doing weird stuff and they start teaching weird stuff. There's something wrong in your spirit. You have to know from the word of God that it's wrong. And I think we've been, uh, even as an eldership team, looking at, oh, we need some foundational manuals. We need the foundations. And I'm like, actually, what we need to get back to as a church is us reading the Bible. We have to be like the Berean Christians in the book of Acts, that when Paul brought them something, they were commended because they went back to the Word of God to see if what he was saying was true. Everything that I'm preaching, I'm trusting, is coming, is coming, well, is coming from the Word, but it's, it's untainted. It's, it is able to change it. It, it. it makes you walk in godliness and in His ways. Um, the truth sets us free. And for me, that's the truth around anything. And I think there's, there's truth that is set out in the Bible. And then it's, I, I, I was saying to someone this week, the classic old saying is that you can, you can uh, take someone to the water, but you can't make them, you can't, you take an animal to the water, but you can't make them drink. I can show the truth. I can present the truth. I've done my part. It's your responsibility to say, cool, I understand this. I'm going to put it into practice. I'm going to step out in faith like the, like the woman with the oil. I'd love to hear testimonies from you. 
So if you've got testimonies around God's, uh, how you have given and how you have uh, sown into people's lives, come and talk to me. I'd love to share that with the church. Number two, why Christians don't tithe. It's a misunderstanding of the law. People say, oh yeah, the, the tithe is a law thing. All the law picked up was a practice that had already been happening in Israel for hundreds of years, before the law even came. And now we know that Galatians talks about that the law leads us to Jesus Christ, who is the fullness. Um, and obviously people say that Malachi is under the law, it's not under grace. But if we look at the whole picture of Scripture, Abraham tithed, he gave 10%. The Bible's very clear. Got the verse here. Where is it? Ah. Oh, Genesis 28. You can go read it for yourself. Oh, that's Jacob. Jacob and Abraham tithed 400 years before the law was even came into, into practice. And what happened with uh, Jacob, uh, sorry, with Abraham, he defeated, a whole, he defeated a whole bunch of kings. And then on, while he was on his way, he met the king of Salem, which a lot of commentators, you can go read about it in Hebrews 7, a lot of commentators say that that is a manifestation, uh, a, a, a manifestation of Jesus. Jesus was the king of Salem, the king of the Jews. And he met him and he, and he gave 10% of all of his plunder to this, to this priestly king. It's, it's understanding that, that tithe was way before, and it's obviously kind of gone through, and even into the New Testament, which we'll read about now. Um, Jacob says this in Genesis 28. It says, Of all you have given me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Why a tenth? R.T. Kendall says that it's the same Holy Spirit that, that formed the earth, that hovered over the waters, that spoke to these patriarchs and said, Listen, whatever you give, give 10%. That it's the same Holy Spirit that authored the, the Old Testament and even into the New Testament, which we'll see now. For me, I want us to understand that it's not a law thing. It's not like if I don't do, God's not going to. You're still saved. You're still going to heaven. You're still covered by the blood of Jesus. But I'm saying if you understand and, and, and you step into this thing by faith, you will see the promises of God pour out over your life. Five reasons to tithe and then I'm ending. And I'm going to go through these fairly quickly. If you want my notes, there's a whole lot more in it. Number one, Jesus endorses tithing. Matthew 23, 23 says, You tithe mint and dill and cumin, yet you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You ought to have done the tithing without neglecting the others. So simple. We have to just read, because people... I've had people oppose me on the, the tithing thing. So, no, we're under grace. We can give as much as we want. I'm saying, actually, people who are under grace or that kind of thinking don't actually give anything at all. I think tithing is just the base of how we should be generous. With I've heard Christians living on 10% and giving 90 away, just giving to the kingdom of God. It would be amazing to get to that place. Number two, Paul assumed it. 1 Corinthians 16, you can go read that. And I just want to say, the, 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 the tithing is the fairest system in the world. Billionaires, those who have got multiple, multiple billions, they would pay the same for bread and milk than someone who is earning 500 dirhams a month. Yet in tithing, God just says, okay, you're earning 500, tithe 50. You're earning 50,000, tithe 5,000. It's 10%. I, like I said last week, I'm not great at maths, but it's pretty easy. Just drop a zero, and then you give that to God. And, uh, and it's, it's the fairest system in the world. And if you understand that, you'll see... God move. In God's eyes, the 50 is as precious as the 5,000. 
It's, it's understand, do I, do I trust God? Do I trust God with my finances? Do I trust God with everything? Number three, what it will do for the work of God. Now I've spoken about this uh, last Friday evening, so some of you would have missed it. But for example, let's just localize this thing. So we're giving a tithe to this house. There is a lot of expenses that we carry. You guys know that rent, electricity, um, uh, even hiring a generator, all of these things cost a lot of money. You've got a, a staff that is paid that can make this thing happen, that we can advance the gospel. And it happens because, like the Bible says, that, so then, that there may be food in my house. And I think that God also gives our church, He gives us bread and He gives us seed, as it speaks about in 2 Corinthians 9. He gives us, uh, he gives us money for, that, that, that you guys tithe and, and give us offerings, but God also entrusts us to sow. And I've spoken about some incredible stories of how we've sown and seen God's abundance come back. And, and I, I long, and I said this last week, I think I said in the evening, I long for the time where Brendan's about to build not Brendan physically himself, but we care is about to build an orphanage in Sri Lanka. We say, cool, as a church, we've got a spare 100,000. There we go. We've been waiting for this opportunity to give. And I think as a church, we, I, said, um, I said last Friday night as well, just so you know, we've, we, we've almost doubled in size in the past year. We've gone now to double meetings. Um, there's been 54 new people that have joined the church since June there's, so God is doing something. God is moving this gospel forward, but these things cost money. To sustain what is happening here and to see the seed of the kingdom go out. We support people overseas. We support a pastor in Nepal. We, get, we pay his full salary. Uh, we support orphanages. We help towards Kenya. Um, there's lots that, that is happening from this house. I just wanted to, just so you guys know. Okay. And the final point is that what it will do for you. God appeals to our selfish nature. It's just crazy. It says this. It says, The floodgates of heaven will be opened. There will be so much blessing that you cannot contain it. I want to see God's blessing in my life. And I really want us to live free um, around, around understanding tithing, around understanding His kingdom, because we're going to to see more of the kingdom break out. The more we give, the more we're going to get so we can give more, so we can give more, so we can see the gospel move forward, so we can see those marriages who were in a mess, those people's lives who had no hope, find hope in Jesus Christ. The, the point is not the money. The point is Jesus Christ. The point is the gospel. Can we stand, please? Father, we... We are your sons. We are your daughters. We have, we have made a decision to follow you with everything in our hearts, Lord Jesus. And Lord God, I, I think John Wesley said, he said, often the last thing that, that gets converted in a man is his wallet. Lord God, let that not be said of us. Father, I just speak your generosity. Isaiah 61 says that this is the year of the Lord's favor. Thank you, Father, that there's going to be favor over businesses. Over, over business deals, those who are trusting for business deals. Can you raise your hand? I really feel this faith for God. Father, I just, I speak your abundance. I speak open doors, sale of properties. Father, uh, uh, a closing of, of massive deals, God, we, we speak it out in Jesus' name. Let abundance fall on companies in this church. Those who are carrying other managerial positions or are entrepreneurs who are waiting for stuff to happen, God, let your abundance fall on us, Lord Jesus. 
And we know, Lord God, that you enrich us in every way to be generous on every occasion to see your gospel move forward, Father. Thank you, Father. And I also just want to pray. I prayed last week, but then just those who are carrying debts, I feel that there's an obedience step that can happen in people's lives today. A million people can pray for you, but if you just if you take what you have and you start to sow to people's lives, be, buy someone a coffee, do, do something, get, take that step of faith and say, Father, I'm trusting you right now from this moment with my money. Lord God, let this, your word just come and change us, Father. pray that we would be a sowing people, God. We would sow, where we've sowed in tears, we will reap in joy. I felt that last week, and I, I really sense it again, that, that people have been sowing in tears in, in tough times, and they're going to reap an abundance of joy. Father, th- I thank you for true spiritual riches. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. True riches from heaven, Father, that money cannot buy. Money cannot buy happiness. Thank you, Father. I just feel like some of us are living in small worlds where there is a, 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 either a poverty mentality or a ceiling on our lives with regards to finances. And I just believe that as Dan was speaking, that as we begin to give and sow our just enough, that God will meet us and multiply and, in, and lift that ceiling off of our lives and there will be a, um, a entering into a more spacious place, a more influential realm. So God is wanting to lift that ceiling off of your lives and, and lead you into a spacious place. Father, would you do that now? Lord God, would Christians from city lights never have the rep of being tight-fisted with our money. May we be a people that are lavish, knowing that where our source comes from is you. You are our provider. Jehovah Jireh is your name, Father, the, the God who provides. Thank you, Father.